Welcome to Blue Rain Gallery's first podcast. My name is Leroy Garcia. I'm the owner of the gallery. I started the gallery about 30 years ago in my hometown of Taos, New Mexico. I'm hoping through this podcast we'll be able to get to know artists, get to know the gallery better, get to know the studios. We'll take you on a journey to explore the mediums, how they're produced, the creativity behind those mediums, what makes an artist go. This should be a fun opportunity uh, over the next few years to explore the art of northern New Mexico and maybe even into the northwest coast. Uh, I'd like to talk a little bit about myself in this first podcast, uh, just to set a foundation. I am the second oldest of 11 children. We grew up fairly poor. I, I remember helping my grandfather a lot, who was a rancher. Um, he raised uh, Hertford cows. We also grew up raising all kinds of other animals, pigs and chickens and rabbits and sheep. We also were farmers. We, we grew our own produce and uh, canned them every year. So working, learning to work the, the land, how to water uh, off the uh, sequias or the ditches, uh, which have been in our usage for many years. And when I think about my family in, in northern New Mexico, I, I can't help but the sacrifices they made. Part of my family, three, three of the four Spanish lines that came to New Mexico were here in northern New Mexico by 1515. I'm from some of the first explorers that came to the New World up here into the Southwest Corridor. I also come from a very famous line of artists, Bernardo Mira y Pacheco, who uh, made the first maps of the entire Southwest Corridor around the early 1700s. So you can find his maps in a lot of museums in Mexico City and Spain. They were used by the settlers coming west, particularly the Mormons, used a lot of those maps to explore the territories and discover Salt Lake Valley. He was the first one to make maps of the Colorado River as well as the uh, Rio Grande and did many ex explorations uh, through, New through New Mexico. He was also a Santero, and you can find one of his biggest altars that he made in the Cristo del Rey Church here in Santa Fe. As a young man, as I mentioned earlier, I grew up working on the farm and, and whatever it took to help my father uh, provide uh, for the family. As a, a boy of eight years old, I, I started selling newspapers throughout the year. Every, uh, I think it was Thursday, they would come out. And rain, shine, snow. I remember uh, me and my brother selling newspapers when it was zero degrees out there. But we'd use the money to buy uh, milk and bread for the siblings and the family. At 16 years old, I had the opportunity to uh, manage a little diner my, my cousin set up, a little roadside trailer, and we, we made everything from hamburgers to burritos, enchiladas. I had the responsibility of ordering the food, preparing it, and, and selling it to the customers, and that, that was an interesting experience. At 18, I went off to college. Uh, wasn't a good year. I think most people could say that that first year is pretty tough. My 19 years old, I ended up serving a, a mission for the Mormon Church for two years in Seattle. I think it's from those, all those experiences from working really hard with the land and the animals to helping provide for the family uh, gave me work ethic, but so did that mission. We'd have to wake up really early and read and prepare and then go out and try to you know, talk to people. I'm 22 years old. After my mission, I met a young lady named Tammy Garcia, 
and uh, she was an artist from Santa Clara Pueblo. I noticed first off in her in her marriage how she was struggling to uh, sell her work. So she would make a pot, and then we'd go find wholesalers to buy the work outright. And it was so frustrating to see her work hard and and then get beat down uh, in her prices. And so away my journey went in art. I was going to college at the time for the next two years uh, at UNM, where I lost complete interest. I was a straight-A student. I was a political science major. But I, I got so involved in the thought of how to help Tammy not only become better at her crafts, but also how to market her work. I found two galleries for her uh, right off the bat. That was Gallery 10. And then there was another gallery called Andrew's Pueblo Pottery. And we were able to get her work in there as she refined herself and became more famous with the exposure from those galleries. She also entered an Indian market and started winning awards. By the third year of the marriage, uh, we moved to Taos and I opened up Blue Rain Gallery. When I first opened Blue Rain Gallery, I collected works by Tammy's family, uh, who were all potters, and then works by my cousins, who were all carvers out of Pueblo, Colorado. And with that, I, I orchestrated a gallery out of the upstairs room of my dad's house in Taos, which was on the corner of the North Pueblo entrance. So we were, you know, uh, right on the street, and uh, away we went. I borrowed tables from my grandma from her little rentals that she had, and uh, <laughs> displayed the little pots on there. And it, it was interesting. I also, uh, through those beginning years, learned more about marketing and how to get the word out. I remember my first successful show that I produced was for a photographer from Taos Pueblo, and I was able to get uh, editorial in the Taos newspaper front and center, and I think it was called The Tempo at that point. And uh, before I knew it, on that opening, we had about 150 people show up, and it was it, it awakened me to the power of words and, and of newspapers and print material at that time. This was way, way before the internet, obviously. By 1994, 95 in that range, I developed my first website. And it, 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 all it was was basically an information page at that point. It was websites at that time were not really developed uh, so that you could change things in and out. They weren't interactive. By 2000, I figured out how to make a website interactive and make it a useful selling tool. In between 1994 and 2000, I think it was around 1994, I was able to pick up a huge collection of pottery. It was over 500 pieces, and it, it had everybody's pottery that was doing pottery at the time. And so I decided to move from my dad's house to take a huge risk and opened on the Taos Plaza. I remember uh, people telling me, you're not going to last, it's going to be hard. And I understand why now. Uh, being a gallerist is really hard, especially with high rents and overheads uh, that we incur. With this collection, uh, it elevated Blue Rain to one of the top galleries that had and offered Pueblo pottery. At that time, uh, I also brought in a collector who was also a, a dealer of kachina dolls. This is Steve Cogill. And between his collection of kachinas and our collection of Pueblo pottery, we pretty much started uh, developing uh, our foothold in the native, uh, contemporary native art world. In 1998, I also brought in, finally, Tammy Garcia uh, as uh, Gallery 10 
was on a downturn. Uh, the owner had passed away. I figured it was a perfect time to bring her in. As I brought her in, all the other potters came in. Nathan Youngblood, Al Koyama, Virgil Ortiz, Roxanne Swensel. In 1998, I re was reading an article on this glass artist uh, out of the Northwest Coast named Preston Singletary. And I remember calling Preston, <laughs> and he could probably tell the story better, but I called him and it's like, Preston, I have a gallery in Taos. You don't know me, uh, but we specialize in contemporary native art. And he's like, oh, well, maybe I'll send you a piece or two. Prior to that time, I had tried selling uh, Northwest Coast art as far as the uh, wood boxes and the masks and stuff. But we, we just didn't have a market for Northwest Coast. But there was something about the medium of glass that really spoke to me. And I thought it might be fun to just try it. And many years later, 21 years later, uh, Preston's became one of the top native artists and considered a pioneer in his genre. And his influence has spread throughout our gallery. If you come to our gallery, you'll see influences of Preston Singletary everywhere. In 1999, I decided that it might be good for us to get out of our box. So I started doing traveling shows. And the first of these traveling shows was, was in Washington, D.C., and I had learned already about marketing and media, but it was harder and harder to get the focus on, in the media that was here in New Mexico because we've becoming an old story. But I figured if we went to a new city, we could probably get media attention. So we decided Washington, D.C. I put every last dime I had on every credit card I had, and away we went. And I, I think I spent at that time about 40 $40,000, which was a lot for us. And um, we rented a, a little art center down in Arlington, Virginia. And with that, we were able to get uh, coverage from the Washington Post. They, they did a nice article on us. Uh, I was able to do a, a morning talk show on an ABC affiliate. I juxtaposed, actually, uh, in that interview, a, a piece of pottery of Maria Martinez and Julian against what Tammy was doing, which is very contemporary, and, and we talked about the evolution of how uh, ceramic art was transforming into more of a contemporary uh, mainstream. The next shows were Chicago, uh, San Antonio, San Francisco, and then we ended up doing a couple in Palm Springs. The shows, as we went along, kept getting more and more expensive uh, to the point where we were having to build our own walls and take that and assemble them. And it was just a lot of labor. <laughs> so around 19, well, around 2000, excuse me, around 2005, I decided to stop doing those shows. And we started doing other shows like Sofa Chicago or Sofa New York. And then we started doing shows in Miami uh, that were part of bigger shows uh, that cost less money, uh, but gave us that exposure. It was through these shows of uh, Chicago, we expanded our, our glass stable where we brought in Rick and Shelley Allen, we brought in uh, Nancy Callan, Dante Marioni, and many other glass artists. It opened my eyes to the glass world. It was around this time as well that I thought of the idea of merging uh, Tammy and Preston and I conceived a show that merged Tammy's pottery with Preston's glass. And Preston would blow the glass, uh, Tammy would pick the colors, they, he would blow the glass, he would tape them for her and then she would design on them and then we'd send them back to Preston and he would sandblast Tammy's imagery into those vessels. I think collectively over the next 
five years or so, about 120 or 130 pieces were produced, and all of them sold. We get resells every now and then, but it, it was nice seeing the expansion of a horizon uh, from Tammy learning a new medium and figuring out, wow, this is such a beautiful rainbow of colors we can use. Uh, sometimes in the Pueblo world, things can be a little bit on the mono, monochromatic scale. So that was interesting. And shortly after that, we had uh, Preston Singletary do shows with uh, Jody Naranjo, eventually Harlan Riano, Marcus Ammerman, and eventually with his friend Dante Mariani. And we'll talk about all these shows later, maybe one at a time uh, as we go on. I look forward to more of these talks in the future. I, I think the next episode will be based on uh, Billy Shank, and that will come out uh, in a couple weeks. Uh, and we'll try to do this maybe every other week or so, uh, and we'll keep you posted with eBlast. Also, you can keep in touch with us on our Facebook and also on our Instagram. Thank you for your time, and we'll see you next time.